Welcome to the Develop Your Dream podcast, where you can begin your journey to achieving your full potential. Hey guys, welcome to episode two. I'm so grateful you're here listening today and I'm thrilled to share my first interview episode with none other than Janie Lacey. Janie's a nationally recognized psychotherapist and licensed mental health counselor. She is the founder and owner of Life Counseling Solutions in Maitland, Florida, and she was also recently recognized by Orlando Business Journal as one of the 2019 Women of the Year. She is such a phenomenal woman, and I'm just so glad she's here with us today to talk about self-care and mental health during a pandemic. I really hope you enjoy this conversation, so let's jump right in. Janie, thanks so much for joining us here on the Develop Your Dream podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Your work has been very impactful on my life, and I'm really excited to share what you have to say with our listeners. Well, thank you for having me. I'm happy and delighted to be on uh, your show. So um, we'll start off with the first question that we have. Obviously, we're going through a unique and challenging time right now with the coronavirus, COVID-19, and quarantine, stay-at-home orders. So lots of isolation and just being at home more than normal. So what are some of the trends that you're seeing as a therapist with some of your clients or even just in the industry? Well, you know, Whitney, first, none of us expected this to happen. So a lot of people were just not prepared. But now that we've kind of been in this for a little bit, we are seeing some of the challenges arise. So in the counseling industry, I'm still doing counseling, mostly remote counseling. A few people are still actually coming into the office, but we are also getting a onslaught of new clients. And these are some of the trends that we're seeing. You know, domestic violence is very, very high. It's already high, but now you have people who um, were able to avoid each other by going to work, by busying themselves. And now we have these stay-at-home orders where people are now forced to be in environment. So we're seeing domestic violence being higher than normal. Not that it's not already um, not high, but we're seeing a, a, slow, a slew of that. So one of the things I always recommend to people is that the person who usually is the victim, and if you know someone that has domestic violence in a relationship, is you want to be able to give them some type of code word. That there should be a code word between you or her, or she needs to identify someone in her circle that is safe. So if she calls and says, you know, I'm really hungry for some chicken, right? And that's the code word between the two of you that you know that there's something up and you may need to intervene. So I think that's always important because most people that have been in domestic violence situations, they were in these situations before the coronavirus has happened. So it's just now an uptick in that. And then the other thing is if you are a friend and you are concerned that your friend is actually in a domestic abusive situation, you want to call her. Um, What we're seeing is a lot of people are texting. And um, if an abuser is an abuser, then he's going to, um, he or she, it's mostly, I'm talking about females that, uh, that rise right now he's gonna be invasive. So he can see her text messages, he may see her social media messages. So um, if you as a friend, it's always better to call her, um, just checking in on you and the kids um, during these times, if you need anything, right? So then, um, so there, there's nothing in writing. Is he giving you a hard time? Or, you know, do you need me to come over? Like those are the types of messages that good willing friends are sending their friend, but there's someone else that's intervening and seeing those messages. So we're, we're hearing a lot of those types of things come up because again, they're home. So they're now seeing, okay, you're looking at your phone too much. I didn't notice it before who's texting you. So they're starting to get into that type of stuff. Right. And then, and then with that, 
being said, especially with women that are the victims of domestic violence, we're also seeing children. And children, they're probably going to come out a lot more later um, through DCF reports when they get back to school, because sometimes school has been a safe place for a lot of these children to go and get away from some of the domestic um, violence that's been in their home. But when there's a mom who's being domestically abused, there's usually our children. Some of the um, other trends that will probably come out again later is actually the sexual abuse part. If we have a lot of parents who are stressed, they're full of anxiety, they're leaving their children with people they may not normally leave them with or with family members because they're trying to survive, you know, sometimes um, things happen, 70% happen with family or friends. And we normally see them around hurricanes, you know, and I'm sure right through this uh, corona season is something else that we're probably looking at as a trend. And then a few other things that you can probably imagine is the liquor stores um, being ransacked. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with people um, enjoying cocktails and those types of things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people who've had alcohol abuse or most of us would have considered alcoholics um, before this. It's now their home and they're just consuming and consuming. And if they are someone who didn't cope well with their alcohol abuse or alcohol addiction, then that's where it's going to come out on the family system, which then can also lead to some of the domestic uh, violent situations. Wow. Yeah, that's definitely a lot of things that we're not really seeing covered in the mainstream media as side effects of this quarantine and this coronavirus situation. It's definitely worth bringing to light and just kind of thinking of ways that we can be that supportive friend. So I already want to go um, off the list of questions that we have and ask you what pointers you have for someone who wants to be a supportive friend to someone at this point, because obviously we talked about these trends as well as people feeling isolated and lonely. Um, I know managing relationships is not always easy, but this is a a time when we especially need to uh, stand in the gap and kind of reach out to our friends more proactively than normal. Absolutely. There's just one other trend that I I do want to mention, and then I'll go into um, things that we can do um, as I'm thinking about it. The other trend that we're seeing is because the couples in particular are home more, a fair discovery is happening more times than I have oh, ever I seen in this past year. So we're getting a lot of crisis calls or current people working with are just in crisis um, because now they're there all the time and there's availability. And if someone has a third party um, involved in their relationship, they're going to be concerned and care for that person. So they're going to be trying to check on them. Um, so we're seeing a lot of um, affair discovery and also pornography addiction um, discovery uh, uh, right now. And this is just a few weeks in. So if you have a friend that you're concerned about their relationship or even just how they're coping, I think the very first thing is, is making your presence known. Because a lot of times right now, people are feeling isolated, physically isolated, but we have so many tools that we've had before, but now it's now we're looking at it under a microscope. We have our phones, we have our computers, we can text. So just making sure you're checking on someone and letting them know that you're there is the first thing, just an order of connection, a touch of connection. And then the second thing would be is offer a service. If you can't necessarily give someone money that may have lost their job or um, their funds are low, is you can go to the grocery store for them and you can just, and with social distancing, you don't even have to get out of your car. You can just um, give them the groceries at the door or leave it at the door. So I think right now, the best, best feedback that I'm getting from people in their commentary is when people are actually there for them. Because everyone can say, well, what do you need? You know, I'm thinking about you. But it's the friends that actually show up with action. 
you know, so I'm, t- I'm on the phone with my friend and I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm running out of toilet paper, right? So I'm in the toilet paper craze right now. So then as Whitney as my friend may hear that. And then if she's getting up at Target early in the morning, waiting for the line to get to the paper products, she may pick up an extra one if she's allowed and then drop it off at my house. So there's certain things that you can do to be supportive of your friends in that way, just connection, finding out what they need. And even if you are someone, um, have a friend that they have children and you don't, you can come over their house, you know, if you feel okay and just watch their kids while they're taking a break, even if it's virtually, right? They can put the computer or put their kids in the room and Whitney can babysit my son while I get some rest and she's watching him virtually and communicate with him. So there are so many- Oh, I've done that already with my nephews. (laughs) Well, then you get it. So there's so many ways that we could be creative to actually be there and help um, our friends versus just the quick text, you know, do you need anything? Because most people are, even though they may need something, they don't want to ask. That's a very good point. And even if they did want to ask, maybe they don't feel comfortable asking or they don't want to be overbearing or too needy. So it's great to just know to take that action, just kind of going out of our way to be kind to each other. Absolutely. Is there any um, thing that you can tell us about anything you're seeing with anxiety and depression that is either flaring up or being discovered at this point as well? Because I know a lot of people deal with this in general, but with this trying time, I'm sure um, a lot of people are coming to terms with the fact that they may have a mental illness. Yeah, so many people who've had mental illness or mental challenges when it comes to anxiety and depression before, now it's exasperated. So just as normal people, just as you and I, so if we think about the ways in which we've coped with things that cause us anxiety or um, just made us not feel so good, any coping mechanisms we had before, we're still going to have them now. And that includes those that did not necessarily have coping mechanisms before. It's now going to be exasperated. So we're seeing an uptick on uh, depression, high anxiety. There's so much concern about what's going to happen. And then there's so much consumption of news. When there's uncertainty, that's when that anxiety is going to come up. And that's where some of the obsessive thinking can come, the preoccupation, um, because there's so con- so much concern about what has not even happened yet. And then if there's that depression, because now we're isolated and let's say um, you are in a situation where you're not necessarily have been happy at home, everything is now going to come up to the surface. So we're seeing, we're, we're seeing that we're probably going to continue to see that for quite some time after this, uh, after we kind of get back to normal, because there's a lot of things that are going to occur during this time that people are now going to be, it's called delayed processing, right? They're going to survive what they need to survive right now. And then when things get back to normal, then it's all going to come up to the surface and they'll be ready to start actually processing what happened or not, or reverting back to old coping, unhealthy coping mechanisms. That's awesome. Yeah. And someone who is, I guess I consider myself a high performing anxious person, I guess, how would you help someone discover that maybe their behavior is not normal and any coping mechanisms or self-discovering methods that you would recommend to someone like that? So I think a lot of people can relate with that, just being high function and their anxiety and they're normally used to funneling it and being busy or being productive or being ambitious. And just a lot of those things are very normal. But what will happen is now when things are slowed down, people have a challenge of just sitting with themselves. All right. So if they have um, where you normally would be able to go and do all these other things, even having moments where you can otherwise just connect with family or a spouse, you feel like you have to do something. 
So to me, that will be the first sign that, you know what, there's something that's just not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean there's anything wrong. It means that there's some consciousness that I need to pay attention to here because I'm uncomfortable with just sitting in my own skin and I'm uncomfortable with being uncomfortable where we're right now, we're all going through collective trauma. We're all going through this together. How it affects everyone is going to be very different. So just because something is not coming up in a way that we think it's going to be dysfunctional, because sometimes people think, well, I'm not drinking that much. I'm not doing stress, emotional eating, all these other things. But can you sit with yourself? Can you just sit with yourself and not feel like you have to constantly do something because the benefit, you know, if I kind of look at the benefit of the Corona times right now, it's giving you an opportunity to rest. So many people are constantly going, whether it's mentally or physically, and it's not to say that you cannot be productive and make the most of this time, but I'm also saying have some rest because if you have good sleep and you have good rest, then you're better able to cope with things during the waking hours. So I would say the early, the kind of early signs that you would know, no one else would know, or maybe they would know, is they're like, well, you know what, Whitney just can't sit down. She has to constantly be doing something and I just want to sit with Whitney and and it seems to really be difficult for her. That can kind of be a little bit of a cue that, you know what, my, my anxiousness is trying to come through um, busyness. Yeah, and then something I discovered too was people who can't sit in silence. I used to be a person who always had to have music on or some people have to have the TV on in the background. I, I feel like that's, that's another thing that I noticed that could be an example. Yes, because that means we can't sit with the thoughts in our head have the TV on, listen to music, or constantly have some type of chatter versus if I have to sit and it's quiet, which is why I love meditative practices. I do it morning and night, is that you're forced to kind of sit and just with your thoughts and make sense of it or not. But to calm your mind down, I think is a great thing because that creates more consciousness. Most people are reactive in life. And especially now with everything going, we're, we're hypervigilant. We're waiting for the shoe to drop. We're waiting for the next order or something of the news that's coming up about. So our, our, we're in this fight or flight mode. So we're constantly putting this pressure on our body. So to kind of have a meditative practice right now, and for those that haven't, it's a great time to start. I mean, there's insight timer, there's calm, there's headspace, there's guided meditation. There's so many ways to get started. And I'm always a big believer. Just start with even 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. And a lot of those companies are doing free trials, especially during this time. So it's a great time to take advantage of that. But I've discovered that meditative practice is one of my favorite forms of self-care because just letting your mind run is just self-care in a way that I never would have thought of. So the meditation that brings up these deep thoughts that we haven't really given attention to, and then just journaling and being surprised at how much you can write based on things that have been floating in your head for so long. Absolutely. And someone had mentioned to me, on, I think on Pinterest, that you now have, you can print out some journal prompts because sometimes people will say, I don't know, if I open up a blank page, I don't even know what to write. So there's so many options right now. You can get journal prompts on Amazon. They have journals where you can um, also, the prompts are built into journals. So, but that's a way to kind of think and make sense of your your thoughts and get it out, um, which is great coping mechanism. You may have heard of this, um, but someone mentioned to me, there's a website called Dear Future Me. So when we talk about anxiety and depression and how we're coping right now, I think a great exercise is for people to use that website or even just journal. If you're writing to yourself in 2023, would you be proud of how you handle these Corona times, right? Because this is going down in history for all of us. Right. So three years down the road, you're going to look back and think, you know, Janie, did you, were you proud of how you handled this time? What would you do differently, right? So now we're in the time where we can create our now, our present. So in our future, we can look back and say, you know what? 
I did the best. There's nothing I would have changed with, as far as how I cope with what I had as my resources. Yeah, it's definitely going in the history books. And I've seen a couple memes that show like the kids asking the parents, so what did you do during the coronavirus? So it really makes you think about the future. It's, it's just kind of funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's, another, that's another coping mechanism right there is um, looking at comedies you know, find times to things to laugh about, like cut off the news. The news is going to be there, you know, just have certain times to check in. Other than that, like laugh, get outside, you know, connect with your friends. I mean, just really open up those good parts of us, those endorphins that can make us feel good about ourselves. Yeah, I love that. Um, so I guess let's move on to therapy. So for someone who maybe has never considered going to a therapist or doesn't know anyone who goes to therapy, what would you say to someone who is considering it? What reasons would you recommend seeing a therapist for? I think it's a stereotype to believe that if you're going to therapy, something is wrong. For most people, there's not something that's wrong. It's just kind of like we go to our physical doctor every year to do a checkup. It's okay to do a mental checkup. And sometimes that's having that objective person who can kind of explore your life and see how you can better develop in certain areas. So it's not necessarily always about the stereotype that there's something wrong and that's why I'm in therapy. Obviously, we are mental health um, and we are mental health advocates. So when there's depression, anxiety, or mental illness, we can have the ability to treat those. But we also treat, like last week, got a couple new couples in the midst of all this corona times that are getting married. So they're coming for premarital therapy and they just want to make sure they are best set up for that and there's nothing wrong. So I think if someone's even contemplating coming to therapy, the very fact that they're thinking about it says that they should make that phone call. And I think the big advice that I would also give to them is that they have to remember as therapists, we work for them. So they can call around and make sure it's a good match for them because just like realtors, there are lots of therapists out there and you want to make sure that someone you feel safe with, that you feel um, there's a good rapport established. And then they also have the credentials that you feel like you need in order to um, feel confident with working with them. And many therapists offer 15 minute consultations so you can hear our voice, you can connect with us, you can ask us questions. And I think right now, uh, Whitney, more than ever, I think if people are thinking about therapy, I mean, it's the perfect time because you don't necessarily have to come into the office. You know, we are an essential business. So when we practice social distancing, so if someone still wants to come into the office, we have that option. But there's remote online counseling now. So great from their privacy of their own home, they can start exploring and building a relationship so that they are better prepared coming out of Corona times um, because they've been a processing it and they've had a professional relationship along the way to help them. Yeah, for sure. We've definitely been seeing a rise in those online therapy services. And I know you've started recently offering virtual therapy as well. So is there any um, feedback you have from how that's gone for you, how your clients have taken to virtual therapy? I know it's something that's definitely a lot more convenient and maybe more private and a lot of people would want to consider for that reason as well. I think for the most part, for me, it's been a natural process because I have already done it about 25% to people that were in country but moved to other countries, so I still remain in contact with them. I think for my majority of my clients that have gone to remote, there are still that still come to the office. They feel like they've lost a little bit of the uh, relational aspect, but for the most part, everyone enjoys it because with the stay-at-home orders, the social distancing, as long as they have privacy in their home, they still have access to us, and I think that's the biggest worry is feeling like they don't have access to part of their, because most of us are part of their support system. 
system for them. So those that are still coming into the office, it's because we're doing some type of um, EMDR, some type of experiential therapy that we, we lose some of the experiential therapy through remote counseling, right? Because it's more talk therapy. We can do different exercises and different homework. Um, but there's certain things that are lost in, in online counseling. But for the most part, I think it's we have an uptick in it for new clients in particular because of that exact reason is needing the support system to get through these challenging times or didn't realize to your point, okay, now we're used to going, going, I'm sitting and now I'm realizing I can't sit, you know, is this anxiety? Is this, what am I feeling? Right. So they want to explore things that are coming up for them that they may not have noticed before. For sure. What would you say to someone who feels that therapy is not something that they can afford or fit into their budget? I think right now, if therapy cannot be fit into their budget, depending on their communities, there's usually universities that offer free counseling. I know here in Orlando, the University of Central Florida offers community counseling where interns are your counselors, they're getting experience and they're well supervised. So you can get free counseling in certain places in the community. But there are there is so much information out there, Whitney. There are there are podcasts. I mean, there's books. There are following therapists. Um, I don't do as much of it, but hopefully I can make some time to do more of it. But there's therapists that are going on lives, you know, where you can get, you know, some quick advice or feedbacks. Because I know some of the some of the ones that I like are constantly doing lives right now. So I would be following people on social media that are positive and that are giving you information. I would be doing podcasts. I'll be reading books on whatever the challenges that you're looking at. There's so much free resources out there, but it, it takes a little bit more um, diligence and um, discipline to get some of those. So you can listen if you're, if you want to walk and listen to audible books, if you are like me, I still like the good old hard books where I can make notes in it. So, um, and I think and I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think someone said like audible is giving like free trials now, where you can do audible books, those types of things. And the best thing that people can do for themselves right now is clear out any negativity unfollow people on social media, you know, um, not necessarily feel like you have to talk to the friend who's just calling you, dumping you. I mean, right now is, and this is the best time to what I call pruning season because spring is coming. So, prune, <laughs> you know, pruning season. And that means start getting rid of negativity and just start feeding yourself positivity. And that goes to who you follow, what you read, what you listen to, what you watch and what you allow in that space, because all of that stuff matters now more than ever. Yeah, I completely agree. I've done one of those social media detoxes and just unfollow anybody who makes you feel a certain way about yourself and how much that shifts your attitude towards social media and your attitude in general, because I guess we don't realize how much what we consume every day affects us. And especially since these apps are mostly designed to be addictive. So you're going to them and you feel like you need something. So if you're not getting anything that feeds you, I know that can be definitely challenging for sure. And that's okay to unfollow your family members too. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know what? Muting is one of my favorite features because you can like get them out of your feed without the unfollow. Because I mean, in case some people have those like apps that tell you who unfollowed you, you know, some people do it. Yes. So yes, yes. Muting is fun. And I think, I think Facebook lets you like mute people for 30 days. Like I can't stand you right now. Like come back later, you know? <laughs> you have options and, and that, and that is actually, um, you know, you mentioned it because that's exactly what people need to be aware of is that even though Instagram and Facebook have all these different algorithms, there are third party apps that are like made to spy on you. <laughs> right. And I hear yep. about them all the time in different um, scenarios. So, oh, goodness. You know, but at the end of the day, you cannot be afraid to do what's good for you. Exactly. 
Well, this has been great advice, Janie. Thanks so much for sharing this with us. Um, lastly, the question that I would like to ask you before we sign off here is what does self-development mean to you? You know, so self-development to me is really developing your character and it's really developing who you want to be gradually over time. You know, so self-development, again, does not necessarily mean that there's something wrong. It just says, you know what, I'm not the best I could possibly be, and I want to continue to be the best I can be. You know, there's a quote um, that I always say, and I don't remember the author, so I'm just going to say it's unknown. It's not, it's not for me. Um, but it made an impact when I heard it, and it was, you know, Janie, what would it look like, I'm putting it in my words, what would it look like if you met the person you could have been? And I had to sit and think about that, Whitney. And it made me like think, I absolutely don't want to meet the person I could have been. I want to be that person. <laughs> right? Because that means yeah. that, you know, I've gone unfulfilled and I didn't use all my skills, my abilities, my talents, all the things that uniquely make me Janie to be able to make impact. So self-development, not only for other people, but for myself, that means I'm continuously looking in all corners of my life to become the best person and making sure I have a good character in all that I do and that my talents and my abilities and all the things that I can continuously give back are gradually over time continuously being developed. And that also means to me that I have mentors, I have people that hold me accountable and I'm constantly a teacher, um, a constantly a student as well as a, a teacher in, in my own life. And I'm gonna be self-developing, Whitney, for the rest of my life. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, something I heard recently was just being a good steward of the gifts that you've been given and all the blessings in this life. So really working to live it to the fullest, for sure. And then lastly, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Yep, you know, so right now while we are in this corona times, we've taken a lot of our programs online. So we have three programs that we're going to get started in a couple of weeks. And one of that is our Women Redeem program. So we're, it's a 12-week program that we normally do in person because we do a lot of experiential work, but I'm revamping it a little bit for those that signed up that when we got to this place, we can't have uh, more than a certain number of people together. So we put it online and that's pretty much just for women who want to develop self-love and develop their self-esteem by understanding where they've been. So we have that group. And then we also have Safe Haven, which is our um, eight week group. And it's for women that have been in uh, relationships where there's been repetitive betrayal, they've experienced betrayal trauma, or are trying to repair their relationship with their husbands or their partners who's, who've betrayed them. Um, so we have that group going on. And then our last group we have is for detox. It's specifically for women who are trying to get rid of a toxic relationship. So we're developing all those groups online right now and developing some protocols around it because we normally do them in person. Um, and then we have our anger management. I don't teach that, but on Life Counseling Solutions, our Mike Martinez, who's our signature anger management specialist, he's been doing the eight-hour course that he does in person. He's been doing that online. So we're taking a lot of the services we have and we're putting them online so people can still have um, them available to them as they continue to go through this. You know, right now we're at 30, 30 days out. We don't know what's going to happen in May, but we don't want, not, we don't want that to stop um, not having things available to people who need them. That's wonderful. Definitely a lot going on for your clients. Um, and I can definitely vouch for the Women Redeem program. It really impacted my life in ways that I did not expect at all. So I definitely recommend that. Thank you. Janie, tell us where we can find you online, on social media, wherever you want us to find you online. 
Yep, absolutely. And all social media platforms, I'm at Janie Lacey. That's J-A-N-I-E-L-A-C-Y. All across the platforms, just put in Janie Lacey, you'll find me, or Life Counseling Solutions. Um, and then we have lifecounselingsolutions.com, JanieLacey.com. You know, number to our office is 407-622-1770. Uh, just Google me, you will find me. <laughs> and you're one of the best, Janie. So everybody go make an appointment. <laughs> oh, thank you, Whitney. <laughs> What a great conversation. I could talk to Janie literally all day long. She's just so passionate about her work and seeing in people what they don't see in themselves. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to hear from you and your reviews really help others find the podcast and join us on our collective self-development journey. Thanks again for listening today. Until next time.